0: Hello, and welcome back to the second episode of the Weekly Rundown presented by the Minnesota Daily. I am your host, Paul Hodewanik, and we are again talking football today. And to do that, we brought back our pair of football reporters. Nick, say hi, Nick.
1: How's it going, everybody?
0: And John.
2: Hey, how you doing? Glad to be here.
0: Make sure to check out Nick and John's work on their first game day issue that we put out um, for the Thursday paper. You can find that pretty much at any university building on campus, and you can also find it on mndaily.com. All right, so let's jump right in. Last week, Fresno State game, pretty exciting game. Hard to watch; I had to watch it via a uh, illegal stream, so I'm not sure how great that is. How my Twitter feed was kind of ahead of my game, so that I had to put it away towards the end of the game to make sure I I wasn't spoiled. But what a finish! Antoine Winfield's interception that was exciting when I saw it on TV. I was like, "Oh no! Like this isn't going to be good. Gopher fans are going to go crazy. Like not not going to be good." And then out of nowhere, he just popped out, got that interception, and sealed the game for him. What was the the mood of the team afterwards and throughout the week about how that game just
1: went as a whole? Well, don't incriminate yourself with that illegal stream business, Paul. But, (laughs) yeah, I mean, (laughs) the team, I think, mostly took positives away initially. They talked about finding ways to win, like they did against South Dakota State, too. And I think they were pretty pleased with, coming away with that interception at the end just like they did last year against Fresno State but coach Flex said in his uh, availability this week that after the celebration wore off they focused on some of the negatives and things they had to improve and that's what they've been focusing on leading up to the Georgia Southern game on
2: Saturday. Yeah, I definitely think you know a game like that it really shows the resiliency of this team, you know. They even though they faced those two teams, South Dakota State who they probably should have beat by more and Fresno State they should have definitely beat by more but they shot themselves in the foot. Um, but if a team knows that they can overcome adversity and they're down in the fourth quarter, and if they know they can come back at any point in the game or, you know, with only a couple minutes left, I think it builds a lot of character and the coaches, you know, they talked about that as well.
0: Yeah. I thought they, I thought they played pretty well, except for those, those flags on third downs, those penalties, they had the one on sportsmanlike conduct or unnecessary roughness. I think it was on Tayon Devers and, those really derailed the der- or der- derailed the defense because up until that point they were shutting them out pretty early in the drives, and then those kind of just seemed to weigh them down for the rest of that drive.
2: Yeah, you are about to go up fourteen to nothing. Muhammad Ibrahim fumbles on the Fresno State thirty-four yard line you're up seven to three at one point and then Tanner Morgan fumbles in Fresno State territory. Like you just said, it was all the third down penalties. It was just one thing after another when it looked like the Gophers were building momentum and they just couldn't capitalize off of that. But I think they, if they would have lost that game, they would have beat themselves. I don't think Fresno State beat them at all. I think the Gophers, if they didn't have those two turnovers, they could have won that game by a lot more than they did.
1: I think you couldn't have said it any better right there. I mean, again, South Dakota State, it was an issue, too, where they had chances to extend a lead, maybe put the game away, maybe make it so the other team wouldn't have chances to extend drives. But they just haven't found that killer instinct so far. So I think that's something that moving forward, especially as they get into Big Ten season, that they're going to have to find somewhere.
2: Yeah, I mean, they only needed to go 3-0. and You know, if they win this game against or Southern – you go three and zero, oh, and you go to Big Big Ten play undefeated. You can't ask for much. It doesn't matter how you win; it's about how you know how you finish the season.
0: Yeah, and those were they had seven penalties for sixty five yards and five fumbles. They lost three of them, so not exactly what the team is going to want to do heading into Big Ten play. But before we get to Big Ten play, they've got the one game against Georgia Southern. A couple other quick things that I wanted to get to um, that were positives from the game besides um, the turnovers on de- or the penalties on defense. There were a couple. Outstanding performances as well. Antoine Winfield was won four tackles, a sack, and an interception, obviously the big interception, but also the impact that Kamal Martin had um, returning after his one-game suspension. He had 13 tackles. The linebacker core really seemed to know a little bit more what they were doing, having him kind of as the general in the middle there.
2: Yeah, and like we talked about before last week's game, Having Kamal Martin back is going to be huge. You saw Thomas Barber have even more tackles this week. He's able to be freed up and play his game, and Kamal Martin was able to be that presence that the defense needs in the middle, although their defensive run game is still, I don't want to say terrible, but it definitely has a lot to improve upon.
1: Yeah, in terms of Kamal Martin having 13 tackles, I think if you're the Gophers, it's more of what you want as opposed to the Week 1 game against the South Dakota State when Jordan Houghton led the team in tackles. Usually you don't want a defensive back leading them in tackles because that means running backs are getting into the second level. They're completing passes.
2: Yeah, and I think that's the one thing that continues to be is you know they're highlighting the defensive line right now is just not getting really that much of a push. Um, so we'll see if they can get it this week against a very good, very, very good run team. Yeah, and the one other play that I wanted to
0: shout out was the uh, the Chris Oppmann-Bell catch that really kept them in the game. It looked like maybe they were going to squander squander the game, but with 47 seconds left, 4th and 13, they they really had to go for the end zone. There wasn't much room to play with. They were on the 20-yard line, so there wasn't much between them and the end zone, and Flex said that pretty much they thought – The defense probably would have thought it was going to go to Bateman or to Johnson, and it was time for Ottman Bell to step up and make a play, and Morgan threw a great pass, and Ottman Bell made the catch.
2: Yeah, that's what Soraka said, you know. And if you think about it, I don't think and I wrote in my article, I don't think there's one quarterback since in the last fifteen years that played for the Gophers that could have made that pass and put that where it was. I mean, it just went by it was like a, it felt like an Aaron Rodgers pass that he throws into the end zone that goes right by, you know, a couple of years ago he had the one that went by the defense or the Vikings defensive backs helmet and it was a Packer touchdown. And that's what it felt like with Morgan. It was just a perfectly put ball right where it needed to be.
1: Yeah, that play doesn't happen unless Tanner Morgan puts that ball in that exact spot where only Chris Altman-Bell could have gotten it over the head of the defensive back, and then Chris Altman-Bell getting his foot down in bounds. Those are two really difficult plays on both ends, and they both had to be pretty precise in order for that to be a touchdown, and then just to have Altman-Bell step up, make that play with the defense keying in on Bateman and Johnson, definitely a positive the Gophers can take away. and. Hopefully, build
2: on moving forward. Yeah, and if you think about that, the Gophers have never had playmakers like Tyler Johnson, Otman Bell. I mean, when Otman Bell's your number three, your offense has some playmakers to play with, and that's what Tanner Morgan said. You know, it opened it up, and Chris Otman Bell, you know, he can be just as good as Bateman in, in a year or two from now. You don't know. Yeah, and
0: in the running game, it, it was kind of a flip flop from the first game. Ibrahim had more of the carries, the more success rate, he had over five yards per carry. So it seems like. That's kind of going to be a revolving door of just whoever's got the hot hand that day is going to be be the one to take the most of the carries. And then um, Rashad Bateman, like we just said, had seven catches for 105 yards and a touchdown. And then Ty Johnson, um, still a little quiet, but four receptions, 71 yards, so he's definitely getting there. And we'll see how they do against Georgia Southern, who is their next opponent, which they will play on Saturday at uh, 2.30 p.m. Georgia Southern is one, on, one and one on the year. They lost 55-3 to three to LSU week one, but obviously that's an LSU team that's ranked in the top 10 very good and then they took on Maine and won 26 to 18 and they were 10 and three in 2018. So although maybe not the threat that Fresno State posed, they know how to win and that's always something that can be dangerous when they're coming in against a team that is expecting to win that game. Um, and one of the big keys that or that the game is going to be relied upon is the running game because jo- that's pretty much exclusively what Georgia Southern runs. They run a triple option. And so what have the coaches been talking about? What have the players been talking about about how to key in
1: on that and really stop that? Well, Fleck talked about how even though the Gophers do have some experience last year against the triple option when they played Georgia Tech in the bowl game, what Georgia Southern does is a little bit different. They're going to give you some different looks offensively, running more option out of the pistol. So he said that defensively it's imperative that defenders – don't do, like he said, week one. He thought defenders were trying to do a little too much, trying to make other people's play against the triple option. You have to remain very disciplined. Stay in your lanes. Don't lose contain.
2: Yeah, he said it best. I mean, you've got to stay very disciplined against a triple option team. And if you don't, I mean, that's why sometimes Army and Navy, they can almost upset big-time programs because they give themselves. Uh, big-time programs won't be disciplined. And, you know, They have guys trying to make the hero plays. And, you know, those triple option teams will will gash them. And that discipline was something that
0: Fleck and Rossi and co. were kind of hoping for more of after the South Dakota State game. They saw people trying to make too much out of some plays, and I think that was corrected a little bit in the Fresno State game and just in time heading into Georgia Southern. And, again, they have three rushers that average over five yards per carry. Matt LaRoche is actually at 12.2, Logan Wright 5.4, and quarterback Justin Tomlin at 9.1. So a lot of dynamic runners that can – really create, and so that's going to be tough for them. And like Nick said, they prepared for Georgia Tech last year for the bowl game, but as Fleck noted, it's not exactly the same thing, so they're going to have to adjust a little bit. What I know, Nick, you talked to the uh, Georgia Southern's uh, sports editor, the student newspaper sports editor for the Georgia Ann. What did she kind of have to say about the team, and what was her perspective looking into this matchup?
1: Well, in terms of Georgia Southern trying to pull an upset against Minnesota, One of the keys, especially when you're an option team, is you have to make the other team play your game. You have to control the ball, and ideally, if the option's effective, Coach Flex said it's an equalizer where you can run the ball, you can control the clock, not let the other team have as much time to do what they want to do offensively. So for Georgia Southern, she said the key was to just play their game, play their brand of football. And you can look at what Army did last week against Michigan going into the big house and forcing overtime. The option teams are pretty dangerous as underdogs. They can upset some big programs.
2: Yeah, I mean, as we saw last week, it, they these guys can run the ball. Georgia Southern, they averaged, a you know, a ridiculous amount of yards per carry against Maine. They ran for 395 yards last week. But against uh, against LSU, they only did average less than two yards per carry. Actually, it was like 1.9. Um, but if the Gophers, I think, you know, they don't have to worry about the pass. You can bring guys up like Antoine Winfield. They, you don't have to worry about it at all. Make them try to beat you through there. You can stack the box, stay disciplined. I think they'll be just fine.
0: Yeah, I think we should expect to see yards per carry a little bit in between those two. I wouldn't forecasted at either end of those that spectrum. But a few facts about the Eagles from 2018. They led the nation with a plus-22 turnover margin. It was a Sunbelt record, and right now they're only at minus-one on the season, but it's obviously in their DNA to be able to take the ball away. So those turnovers that were costly against Fresno State, um, they can't keep doing that to let the team in, um, potentially threaten uh, the Gophers at home. And then Georgia Southern is actually undefeated when they outrush an opponent and uh, winless when they didn't. So that's kind of their... That's their be-all, end-all is if they can outrush them And so Ibrahim and um, Rodney Smith are going to be important to kind of establish the run. Flex said earlier this week that Shannon Brooks has continued to uh, progress. He was practicing. So there's they kind of have a three-headed monster getting ready to go. I'm not sure they're going to debut him, let him out of the garage quite yet. But exciting to see that that running game is kind of
2: rounding into form. Yeah, I tried to ask Rodney if Shannon's going to be suiting up this week, and he uh, he gave me a little smirk and told me he couldn't talk about it. But he said he's he's amping it up, so that's exciting. A three headed monster in Big Ten play, it's going to be huge. And like we've been talking about, that's a big
1: luxury this Gopher team has to have those three in addition to a guy like Bryce Williams who played well last year when he got his opportunities, and some freshmen as well. I think Fleck eventually wants to create a big stable at running back, whereas so far we've only seen Ibrahim and Rodney Smith, and in one game, Smith's carried the load. The other one, Ibrahim had the better game, but again, the more people you have in there, the more you have the ability to ride a hot hand.
2: Yeah, and you know, if you have a healthy Shannon Brooks, completely healthy, he's going to be dominant, and then you have Mohamed Ibrahim, who was just absolutely phenomenal in his freshman year, but... You know, the Gophers are still only averaging three yards per carry on the season, and that's that's a big deal. They need to get a better push up front, which they're not doing, and unless they really start, you know, boosting that number up, going into Big Ten play, not being able to run run the ball as effectively as they want to, it's not going to be good, especially in the cold weather. It's going to get cold here real quick.
0: Well, I guess they're hoping that uh, Saturday's game can kind of be a launching pad going forward and being able to get that, because get, it just takes a little bit of mojo, a little bit of make oh, we can do this, where we ran all over them. So that's going to be one of the keys to the game. What other keys to the game do you guys see to make sure Minnesota avoids this upset and rolls on to Big Ten play undefeated?
1: I think that one of the keys I'll be looking at is third down. Like we said last week, Gophers defense had some problems getting off the field this week against that triple option attack. I think it'll be really important that they don't have those third down penalties to extend drives because if they let Georgia Southern have big long drives the defense can get worn out and then you go on offense I think it's important there to convert your third downs too especially if you're coming off a longer Georgia State drive your offense has to respond with a drive of its own Gophers did a pretty good job last week all of their touchdown drives of regulation were over 10 plays so giving the defense a break against that triple option so they can recover because If the defense has to be out there, as long as Georgia Southern wants them to be out there, it could be a long afternoon for the Gophers' D.
2: Yeah, I mean, the the Gophers' defense is averaging, you know, five yards per carry allowed against them. It's for opposing running backs, so that's not great for going against a run-heavy team, but like I said, they could stack the box. The big thing to me is the Gophers have a real big problem on allowing a lot of yards on first down. A lot of teams are getting big plays on first down. We saw it against South Dakota State. Uh, We saw it against Fresno State, you know, they would start off at the 25-30 yard line of their own territory, Fresno State and South Dakota State would, and then next thing you know, they're at the 50 off of two plays on first down. They need to, I think the defense needs to get some momentum early on, get some first down stops, put them in second and long, third and long, and that's where where they'll have success. Especially
1: this week, because against Georgia Southern, not exactly a throwing team, so if they have third and short, they're much more likely to convert out of the option. But if Georgia Southern gets put in third and long, they're going to have a little more difficulty passing for that.
2: Yeah, and they've, they've only thrown the ball 20 times all year. So the Gophers, I think yeah, you got to make Georgia Southern throw the ball. Put them in those long down territories.
0: And I was going to say another thing that will kind of make them have to do that is if they jump out to a early lead, which I think is another big key if they can get up front. I know even when they lost 55-3 to against LSU, they still only threw the ball 11 times, so I'm not sure they're really going to stray away from that. I don't know if they—they probably knew early that LSU, they weren't going to get that one, but this one's a little bit more gettable for them, so I wonder if they do try to throw a little bit more because just if they're struggling to run the ball, throwing it 11 times is not going to do the trick. So it'll be interesting to see what they do.
2: Yeah, and Nick, like the like the person you interviewed from Georgia Southern, what she said is that they're starting to implement a little bit more passes, like even last year they wouldn't have done that. But so maybe they're trying to, you know, try something new, have some more ways to keep the defense honest on third down just a little bit. But I think you you force them to throw and or, or you just stack the box. I mean, just stay disciplined and they'll be just fine. But like I said, the Gophers have had a lot of trouble stopping the run. This'll be a huge test for them.
1: And I would say the Georgia Southern quarterback situation going into the game is notable because their week one starter, Shy Wirtz, got hurt against LSU, which Justin Tomlin's played ever since. And according to the reporter from Georgia Southern, um, there hasn't been an indication as to who will play. She said she expects Tomlin probably to get the start. But it's worth noting because Wirtz is the more experienced player and probably a little bit better passer.
2: And that's the thing about college football. Those injuries are never released. You never know really what's going on. And, you know, Flex, flex the same way. He doesn't like to tell anybody who's injured or how.
0: Yeah, I can't give anyone an edge. No. Um, <laughs> but they're a 15-and-a-half point favorite going into the game. If they do win, that'll extend their non-conference consecutive wins to 18. That's Right now they have the um, record, at least the one going on currently. And I thought it'd be kind of a little fun exercise to run through all the teams that they've beat Um just to kind of get up, get some perspective, because obviously the non-conference schedule is a little bit lighter usually um, with a couple of tough opponents thrown in there, but their last loss was actually to number 2-ranked TCU in 2015, and that was a game that was close for most of the game. But other than that, they beat Colorado State twice, Kent State, Ohio, Central Michigan in a bowl game, Oregon State twice, Indiana State, Washington State, Buffalo, Middle Tennessee, New Mexico State, Fresno State twice now, Miami of Ohio, Georgia Tech, and South Dakota State. So not exactly... The toughest crop, but there's something to be said for just getting the job done against teams that you're supposed to beat. Good teams beat the teams that they're supposed to beat, and outside of maybe Washington State and Georgia Tech, none of those teams were like super great. Obviously, Fresno State um, finished 18th in the polls last year, but it does. It's something to be said that they're continuing to take care of business, whether it's a high octane team or someone that they ex- they're expected to beat.
2: Yeah, I mean Georgia Southern was ten and three last year. They're no slouch. I mean, yeah, they beat up on you know the, the Sun Belt teams and stuff like that. But you know you you have to respect teams who who know how to win and teams that end up with ten wins. I mean they got there somehow.
1: Flex been talking about that a lot in the program that he's trying to build at Minnesota. He wants to be like teams like South Dakota State and Fresno State, Georgia Southern teams that no matter what conference or subdivision they're in, they find ways to win and. Two games into this season. Looks like the Gophers are getting there.
0: Yeah, and during his weekly radio hit, um, Mike Grimm asked him about that, if he pays attention to the the to the to record, and he said, no, that's for you guys to discuss, so let's discuss it a little bit more. Um, I pulled up all their opponents, their non-conference opponents that they have. They're fully released schedule through 2023, so we got four years of games, just hypothetically, where we could see potentially them losing it, where they could see them continue going on, and I, I just thought it would be a fun exercise,
2: so did he say he didn't pay attention to his opponent's records? No, he didn't pay attention to their record. The, the the Gophers, Gophers record oh, okay. for having okay. the seven. No, he's definitely
0: aware of their record. Yeah,
2: he he cites it every press conference. No. Like those three teams we we were gonna play, like Georgia Southern in the last two. He's like they were like, I forget what it is. It was 32 like Thirty two <laughs> and eight. Yeah, he says that he said it for the last three press conferences. It's like no, he yeah. keeps track. <laughs> he said he doesn't
0: talk to his players about the record at all, but um, it's fun for us to talk about. So next year. All home games they play Florida Atlantic, which is kind of interesting. Lane Kiffin's trying to turn that yeah. program around, but the results haven't been there uh, quite yet. And then Tennessee Tech and BYU. So BYU just beat Tennessee actually, so they've got some chops. But I could see them getting through
2: that as well. You got to remember Lane Kiffen was uh, a hot commodity when the Gophers hired Tim Brewster. You know, 10, 10 or so years ago, he was the name to be thrown around, and you know they they went with Brewster. Yeah, and then in 2021,
0: they'll have Miami, Ohio again, then they'll be at Colorado, and then Bowling Green, and Colorado just took down Nebraska. Definitely no slouch. They play them again in 2023. Um, And then in 2022, they have New Mexico State, Western Illinois, Colorado at home. And then finally in 2023, they have Eastern Michigan. They're at North Carolina, and then they have University of Louisiana, Lafayette. So there's there's a possibility. Um, Obviously, it's hard to forecast another... 12 games where they're, we're just penciling them for wins. You can never pencil in wins for college football. But it's kind of a, a fun storyline that has a chance to continue on. It's not like they got Alabama in there anytime soon. So there's a chance that it could live on for a little bit.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's like the Gophers are playing slouch teams, though. Like, Alabama lines up Citadel to give them a free paycheck to beat the crap out of them every year. It's like, come on, give me a break. At least the Gophers aren't doing that. You got to
1: keep in mind the bowl game, too, so those could always get thrown in. That might be at least looking at this list, the most likely place the Gophers get a non-conference defeat in the near future. Although BYU is a team that's always tough at Colorado, like you said, those can be tough games, but in terms of what their schedule is, this non-conference streak could last a little while longer. Yeah, that is important to note. The bowl games could definitely have an impact on that,
0: and they're hoping that they're going to play some high-profile teams in those bowl games, so that's definitely has some potential to mess with that a little bit. So Anything else you guys want to add? This was a lot of fun.
2: Hey, with high-profile games come high-profile recruits, and that's that's where they're going, and they're definitely turning this program around. So I'm, I'm excited to get this and see if they can build a bunch of momentum, get guys – stay healthy going into the bye next week and then rolling into the Big Ten, you know, max effort.
1: Yeah, as fun as the non-conference is and to look at some of these things, you know what everybody's looking forward to is the Big Ten and playing those local teams, so – can't wait for this season to keep rolling. All
0: right, thanks, guys. The, as a reminder, the Gophers will play the Georgia Southern Eagles at 2.30, and John and Nick will have all your coverage right after the game and going forward through the rest of the season. In other news, a pair of Gopher gymnasts qualified for the World Championships last week. Recent graduate Justin Karstad qualified for the Canadian team, and current Gopher Shane Wiskus qualified for the American team. Both teams will compete at the event in Sugart, Germany, from October fourth to the thirteenth. It is the last opportunity for both teams to qualify for one of the nine remaining spots for the 2020 Summer Olympics in Tokyo. Whiskus is the youngest and only active gymnast on the United States team. In Gopher Volleyball's lone match this week, they beat number seven-ranked Florida in their first home match of the season, 25-20, 25-17, and 25-22. Setter Kylie Miller was honored for her play the past week, winning Big Ten Setter of the Week. You can learn more about Miller, who transferred from UCLA this season, on MNDaily.com as our fantastic volleyball reporter Nolan O'Hara went in-depth on her transition to the team. The golf teams kicked off their season this week, each hosting a home event. The women's team came in 11th, while the men's team finished 10th. Angus Flanagan was the top men's finisher, finishing four over for the tournament, good enough for 22nd place, Kate Lilly was high, was the highest finisher for the women, grabbing a share of 12th place with a one-over finish. The cross-country teams now get a three-week break following the completion of the Oz Memorial last Friday. Both teams dominated the race, finishing first among all the teams there. Men's runner Owen Hoft won the men's race, marking his first career win. We will be back again next week to give you the weekly rundown on all things Gopher Sports. Don't forget to share, subscribe, and review. We'll see everyone next week.